What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another edition of the best women's boxing show, period. I am Cynthia Conte, one of your hosts, and today, sadly, Giandra LaBeouf is in Hollywood. She is doing her Hollywood red carpet stuff, so she will not be joining us today. But I do have a special guest. Before I introduce our special guest, I know I got to run back some of the boxing things that have been happening. Uh, Giandra and I have been doing some content about Ryan Garcia, Tank Tink Davis. We did our swag camp. You guys have blown that shit up on our content when uh, Tank Davis wore his Bottega Veneta purses. And we're going to talk to our guest about, you know, how things look on the outside because you have to have a personality and you got to show some swag. Uh, Ryan Garcia came out in his Amiri gear. He's going to be dressed by Amiri. If you don't know Amiri, go look him up. His shit is very expensive. I just bought my boyfriend some boots that were like almost two grand. So you guys do not knock on the hustle that these boxers are putting out they're looking really fly for you guys and uh you know what like share subscribe all of our content on youtube instagram uh tiktok t- twitter you know all of that stuff by the time you see this the next fight that you'll be seeing is tank davis versus ryan garcia we want to hear all your predictions go on all our socials tell us who's going to win who do you think? Is it going to be a knockout? Is it going to be a stoppage? And tell us about the rehydration clause that has been put in place because that's that's stirring up a lot of controversy. All right. So enough of the boxing talk. So this lady, she's one of a good she's a good friend of mine. And I have been actually kind of poaching her for a long time uh, to interview with her. But there's always that crossroad of when that interview has to make sense. It can't just be, oh, let's talk about what you did and what you've done, and blah, blah, blah. And when I've seen her progression in life of what's happened, I've known her from, say, 2013, on the cusp of when she was retiring from her former career and into her career of her new career. And when I read her book, and I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh, it's back there. You can't really see it right there. It's, it's there. There you go. I, I, you know, there's no need for introduction. It's a really beautiful story of someone's life, just where she's been, the, the, the shit that she's gone through. And you know what? Everyone faces adversity. I want to welcome to our studio, to the best women's boxing show, period, Miss Lisa Ann. Woo! <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And you know, you read my first book, so now I need to send you my I, second yes. book. And by the way, that won't be a much easier read. I became a shorter storyteller. So when you learn to speak in radio segments, you realize that you can pack it down into three mm-hmm. minutes. So this is the second book is a cross country read. I timed it. If you started it at JFK, you would finish it by LAX with no layover. Really? Oh, I, you know, it's it's really one of those books. It was. I remember I got it. I bought it on Amazon. I go, you know what? I know once once you you said I'm going to be back in Vegas because I was supposed to get her a couple of weeks ago and she yep. had to cancel. But due to her her constrictions of time, uh, she called me and I was like, oh, my Lanta. Like, I have to know everything about her because I don't go to an interview unprepared because then I would never know anything. What kind of an interview would that be? And. I read that thing. It was literally a page turner and just kind of like, and you know, I have to say, I was like almost a two-year-old. So when he saw some of the pictures, I'm like, oh no, let's just keep 
going. <laughs> but uh, it's a fascinating story. So if you guys haven't seen it, go to her website, go to Amazon, pick it up. It's a really good book. She has, you have two books, right? I have two books. I have The Life and The Life Back. So the second book came out, I wrote it during the pandemic. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, I, I have enough time. I released the first one in 2015. And so that five-year span of 2015, 2020, I really feel like I grew the most as a person. Um, I changed environments by changing careers and it's very refreshing when you walk into a new space and you meet new people and you meet people that are really just happy with what they do, happy with their lives, love their families. You know, coming from the adult industry that can be a little bit dark, right? There can be a lot of confusion, a lot of influx of bad habits. And then I step into this refreshing world of fantasy sports and sports betting where like literally a 30 minute conversation never gets personal because we can never get away from like players we love or who let us down last year, our biggest bet that we lost. And so it's fresh. Uh, I'm meeting great people and I'm learning more every single year. That's what I love about you because during our the intro, I didn't want, I didn't know what to say, like how to introduce you because I'm like, you know what, you're just my friend Lisa Ann. Like I didn't really, I mean, I know you as a very famous porn star. Uh, I've always known you as <laughs> Nalen Palin. If you guys haven't known that, you know, sorry, Sarah Palin, but you know, you did a great parody of it. You do kind of look like her. Yeah, when I had the bangs. You and, do. And you know, there were a lot of things that aligned for me and Sarah, which I, I'm a big fan. I follow her <laughs> social media. She was on Gutfield the other night. My friend was watching. He's like, you know, Sarah's making an appearance. Anytime she does an appearance, I watch it. Um, and she had the cutest blue suede boots on. That woman has so much style. But it worked out in many ways. I was wearing, I wear glasses. I had bangs at the time. I don't have tattoos. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things that like, it was hard for Wait, Hustler. Wait, Sarah has tattoos? She doesn't. Oh, So okay. it was hard for Hustler to find, like as you're trying to do the perfect parody, you have to find the perfect person to do it. And so when they came to me with it, I was like, first I was like, well, you know, I don't really know if I want to do it because what if she takes it insulting? And then she had done, the day I got asked, was actually the night of the very first VP debate. There she was. And I got up to my big screen TV <laughs> and I got super close and I thought, I think Sarah is wearing two pair of eyelashes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my. And then I started her mannerisms and I was like, okay, now flash forward to now. Politics are so much more intense. I got really lucky to be able to do something that was light and it was fun and people enjoyed it. But if you thought about doing a parody now for a political oh, figure, I it. think it would be very different. It would be very different. So now. I really lucked out. It'd be very different. You would, the, 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 there was, would be protests, there would be yes. riots, there would be, you know, people don't have sense of humor. Meanwhile, but I, I got it. to be in an Eminem music video yeah. over it. <laughs> you, like, I got to do all the you goodness. You capitalized all the goodness, on it. All the goodness. These are the things that helped you. And, you know, we're not going to go too far back into your career because that's why you have to read the book. Because uh, it's just, it's there's a lot of information I did not know about you and why it formed you into the person who you are and why you did certain things. But when the one thing I was very, very surprised... I knew you're a talent agent. I did not know, like you were literally like corporate America. That those those little things, those little nuggets you had in life, it really shaped you into the person of becoming the Lisa Ann Incorporated, the Lisa sure. Ann Productions that you are. It's not just you were this girl that went and just had sex and just made some money. Absolutely not, and made it a career. You really. You enveloped everything around it. When you look back onto your career now. 
you know, were there things that you may be like, oh, maybe I could have been, you could have just continued to stay as a talent manager or a booker, or you could have maybe continued your- Can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. I've been swearing the whole time. YouTube, don't. Please don't. That was the worst fucking job I ever had in my life, being a talent agent in the business. Ah. The absolute worst job. The most insane, nutty- wild, just, you know, bail bondsmen's calling me at three o'clock in the morning, talent not paying commission, talent not showing up on time. You know, the first two hours of every day was spent with phone calls back and forth, director calls. Where's such and such person? Let me call. Call that person. Oh, I'm five minutes away. 20 (laughs) minutes goes by. Director calls again. Where are they? Call that person. Oh, I'm, I'm like a minute away. Like I knew that person probably did not leave their house until the first phone call I made. So there was a lot of babysitting. <laughs> I was going to say you're a babysitter. And for me, having to never had had someone need to babysit me in my career, yeah. I, it blew my mind. And it made me very fearful for them because I thought to myself, this is, you get one chance here to make a chunk of money mm-hmm. that can set you up. Now, it's not going to make your whole life, but it can set you up to make you have the opportunity to make other decisions and still have your nest egg that if you choose a career that isn't going to make you as much money as adult, you're still going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But when I know someone can't get out of their house in time to go and make that big money, I worry about what is this doing for their life? Yeah, This is just enabling you to live a lifestyle, but this is not benefiting you long-term. That's true. And spiritually, that got to my soul because I wanted to help everybody. The male performers were the greatest to book. They would show up. They would come into my office and, and pay the commission in person. They would always thank me. They were born businessmen. And I found with the women who made twice as much money, it was very hard to lead them properly. So that that was an awful job. But you also read that out of panic, after being on the road during 9-11, I got home and bought a day spa that was failing. Yes. Just, just, the, the, I just bought a day spa. Yes. Bought a yes. day spa. Just, yes. just had this much money in my cash, in my purse. And the girl was telling me her desperate story about how she was going under. And I looked at her and I go, what would it take for me right now to buy your keys from you and meet you back here tomorrow? And I gave her the cash that I had in my bag for my dance gig and took over that business within 48 hours. I mean, sadly, she was a very shady business owner. Shady. Very but shady. it worked out for me. It did. It worked. It was the, it, to me, that four years at Karma Day Spa was my college education. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you I learned, learned a, a lot you there. Learned a yeah, lot. I had to go to unemployment court. I had to learn all of these things that I never knew before. And as I was living it, I was like, huh, okay. Because once you go through something once, the second time it hits you, you're not as gassed by it, right? Yeah. You're like, okay, been there, done that. Yeah. Okay, first time you cry. You know, first time you get weird mail, you open it in a panic. You, just, <laughs> like, God, you see know. something from the State Board of Cosmetology and you're like in a panic, you know? Ah, you're like, am I going to get sued? Yes. Am I going to take my money? <laughs> exactly. But uh, it was a fun business and it really rooted me in, with my community in Huntington Beach where it made me realize like, look, people are only as judgmental as you allow yourself to believe that they are. Mm-hmm. It got me out of my own paranoid thinking and made me realize it's how I project myself and it's how I I am as a person. Not everybody's going to be on Team Lisa Ann. I get that. But for the general person, if you give them good service, they do not give two fucks about what you did before. As mm-hmm. long as their facial is on time, they <laughs> love their service, it's quiet in the spa, and they have all the amenities they want, they're happy. 
I know that uh, you know going back into the real world yeah. as you know your your name is really it's Lisa Ann. Yes, I remember that's my real name. you wanted Rosie Colucci. Yes, I did. I wanted Rosie <laughs> Colucci because I wanted to hear the DJs call me up on stage and say coming up next is Rosie Colucci. I Colucci, it would be really funny. The yes. Italiano. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but you still I mean do you ever still that you wish that would have been in your name? I'm so happy it's my real name because I get recognized everywhere I am. And it's much more comfortable. Like when somebody just walks up and is like, hey, Lisa, what's up? There's not an awkward like, like yeah, Rosie? yeah, yeah. Uh, who are you talking to? <laughs> and I'm not like at the airport going through TSA and I have my real name there and then somebody calls me something else. And now that I've really owned it and I'm so grateful for the life that I've lived, I'm glad that I used my real name. How long How long did it take you to actually say you've owned the name Lisa Ann as opposed to, oh, I should have just gone by a different name, any other name? Probably uh, the internet era was when I realized like, yeah, this would have been really complex because I would have been dealing with two different identities. And the internet era really blended us as one person. Mm. Before that, we lived separate lives. You could live in a neighborhood, nobody knew what you did. And you know, in the 90s, when somebody went to an adult bookstore to rent a VHS or to buy a VHS, because they had to go through so much to get it, and it was put in like a brown bag, it was so <laughs> it was so discreet. In the, bla- in the back corner of a yeah. video store. <laughs> it was so discreet that when they saw you, they felt like they also had to act that discreetly with you. Yeah. So they might nod at you walking somewhere, but they would never approach you. And so once it came out of the brown bag and it was on the internet, I was like, oh, this is the real deal. This is going to be my everyday life. Let's go. And so that's when I realized, like, yeah, it's so much better. Uh, you know, there was one thing in your book. I, ha- I had to highlight it. I remember I, I called or I text Giandra, my co-host. God, I wish she was here so you can meet her. You, you had uh, your lovely friend. He was a four-foot uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabong. <laughs> your boss. How did I know that that's where you were going? I don't, you had its own seatbelt. I. How did you carry that out in public? Like I so knew you were going there. And that's <laughs> amazing. So, my first two years on the road, I drove because I wasn't popular enough to get flights yet. Right. So you had to like reach a certain level. So I had a friend that used to travel with bands. He was a roadie for bands, and so I knew him because he would look after me when I was working local strip clubs in Philadelphia, New Jersey area. And I was like, Hey, Sledge, you know, you want to go on the road? And I got this Bronco. You know, the SUVs where you like had to pull the tire away from the back to mm-hmm. open the hatch I was like we'll drive in the bronco and then i realized like back then we carried a ton of weed with us he didn't smoke <laughs> but i did so i picked up this bong that was four foot you know almost as tall as me and sledge would have to light it right he would go to the ice machine at the hotel and put ice in it and we would strap kareem in the back seat and with a seatbelt because i was young and i was dumb and i wasn't afraid of anything and i remember my last booking was in san fran at the Century Theater, my last booking, I mean, before I was getting flights. And I was like, oh, well, no more driving. And uh, so I left it with the DJ. And what was great about when you're young and you don't care that you're staying at the worst hotels like Motel 6 and Red Roof Inn, you can have a party afterwards there. Nobody cares. Yeah, care. It's not like a nice hotel. You have an outdoor entrance. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can leave the door open and party and nobody cares. So Kareem... Kareem Abdul-Jabong traveled the road for two years. You saw all kinds of people. I made sure everybody came back to my shitty hotel room and smoked out. And that was part of young Lisa just being on the road, doing her own thing. And when I was putting this book together, I found booklets of photos because this is before digital photos. And I found photos of me like 
rollers in my hair, doing my makeup, joint in my mouth, cream on the counter, just looking so glorious. And I was just like, I'm glad I lived such a fun and carefree life at that age. Because I now would never put a bong in my car, okay? <laughs> I will, yeah. <laughs> I just found that that was the funniest part of the book. I'm like, oh, let me highlight it. Uh, I was going to show it, but it's it's back there. I have like things highlighted because I go, this shit's funny. This he was blue, stuff. plexi, you know, the plexi plastic. He was beautiful. And he made me a lot of friends. So I gave him <laughs> a DJ. I would love to. I mean, I know you never outed people. Uh, I know that trying to sell this book was really hard because they wanted names. And uh, you changed the names for obvious reasons. But some of the stories in there, I'm like, oh, my God, who is she talking about? And you're still friends with a lot of them, correct? A lot, still friends with everybody I've engaged with. I think it's really important, especially, you know, a lot of the men that I've met through different sports through my career. You know, we still remain friends when they get into a relationship. But I've always had a very strict rule. I will not be with somebody that's in a relationship. If it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a wife, no matter what, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So I always tell everyone from the jump, like, look, be honest with me, be cool with me, and I'll hang out with you while you're single. Mm. But I don't want the karma chasing me down, and I don't want to hurt someone else. This is yeah. just supposed to be fun. And so I've always been really strict. And I, you know, I follow, like, if I see guys start propping up a photo on a vacation with their girl... But they haven't like come to me yeah, yet. You'd be like, I'm like, congratulations on the new relationship. I hope it's going well. You know, we're just friends now. And I make it very clear. And I think we all should be doing that. You know, whatever your gender may be, you, you need to be having consent conversations with the people you engage with and let them know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I think if we all stuck together and, you know, there's no reason to want to be a side piece. There's no Absolutely. reason to want to look over your shoulder and wonder when this woman's going to find out and be not only hurt, Mm -hmm. but potentially come after you. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. shouldn't want to be with somebody that's like that because he's got bad energy. Exactly. He's got bad karma. Exactly. Well, that's pretty much all we're going to talk about about her former life. I know you guys want to get more into stuff, but that's not the reason why I brought her here. Maybe for another show. Maybe for our after, our after Dark special. But Lisa Ann, you have done something that many wish that they could do you have lived a, you have lived literally a life you are everyone's fantasy you know if whether you're male or female but now you've gone into something else you're now into fantasy sports you were able to move your life into something that everyone wanted and now everyone still wants this fantasy sports and it's very very new we're in a genre like for me we're very very new into well not new into sports but women we need more women in sports. Yeah. And so we're two women, just very, very few of the crop. But you've done something even more that fantasy sports. Like when you think about it, you always think of betting. Okay, I've done fantasy football. I've had uh, taters, wait, what, taters and, is it taters and, taters and tots or something like that. I can't remember. You know, those are the things that I never thought that I could actually make money on. It was just for fun. You like, you bet $5, you bet $100, you win a pot, but you really made it into a sport. But this is something that you didn't even know. It was kind of like, you know, for fun and games. You did know basketball. You did know football. Legitimately, I did you know basketball know. and you football, knew. no doubt. When I first met with my boss in the spring of 2013, he had had a group of Playboy Playmates doing a fantasy football show on Sirius XM. And that show had just broken up. And he was trying to find somewhat of a replacement for it for the next season. Mm -hmm. So when we first met, I said, look... I don't know fantasy sports, but I know my guy friends that play them. And, you know, they're not any smarter than me. 
right? <laughs> and and I know, like, I hear people talk about fantasy football leagues all the time, and it's, you know, a bunch of jabronis, right? Like, these guys <laughs> have been doing this for years. Like, so I took that summer, and I just read every single book on fantasy sports, because I want to know, yeah. how did this start? Yeah. What did people do before the internet? Wow, they had to write box scores. They yes. mailed their scoring system. The commissioner <laughs> responsible to mail out the results weekly to the league. Like, the, the difficulty when the fax machine was invented, they were like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we're going to be able to fax each other. I bet other you kids don't even like, what's a fax machine? <laughs> you know, so, so I read the history, and then I spent a month just like mock drafting, right, on all the different platforms so I could learn how all the different platforms work and set up these mock drafts and and I realized like oh this is the game inside the game fantasy sports whether it's fantasy basketball football I now did fantasy baseball as well fantasy golf it makes you watch maybe players or teams that you would not watch you would watch your three favorite teams maybe one team but when you're playing fantasy you you have a player on every single team so you end up watching every game so each NFL week becomes a full week, you know, I have Red Zone going on one TV, then I have another TV that's on standalone games, and I go back and forth in that one, and then I watch the game film from the edits, wow. which you can get on the NFL package, yep. throughout the week, so that I know exactly what I, what, I, what I maybe didn't see. And so it just became like an escape when I was still trying to re-identify with my new life. Who am I? Yeah. What am I passionate about? How am I gonna meet new people? What are people gonna think about me? And so, at the times did of that panic, worry you about what people it, thought of you, know you what? at the time? It worried me before I left. Yeah. And before I started doing fantasy sports a lot. It probably worried me for about five years. Because maybe last... they thought that you were a fake. Just Yeah. Just... Well, when I got my first contract, my best friend, who's a baller, she's amazing. She's brilliant. And she's like, here's the deal. You can sign a contract for a year and be a flash in the pan and let them use you for your social media. Or you could be so good at this. Yeah. They cannot fire you. Yeah, that's and true. So I was like... <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, like, all right. And that's what I did. I, oh my gosh, I would write out cue cards, like index cards when I first started. I did this for two years. I would write out each team on an index card, all the positional players. I'd study it and study it like flashcards. And then I'd have a friend, like I'd have the team on the back. And yeah. I'd be like, okay, come over. We're going to do flashcards. I would read the entire roster to the team, even the backups. And even, you know, like I was like in. Then I started realizing, okay, I should record this on a voice note and go for a walk. Then I'd go record, I'd go for a walk, and then I'd ask a neighbor, like, hey, can we do flashcards? Sometimes it was my doormen in New York City that are bored at the front of desk. Of course. I'd be like, we're doing flashcards today. I need to, I did more than other people did, but also it was you a great, have to. it was a great mental escape, and it was a great jog of the memory. It's like, if you want to be good at something and you're starting from the ground, you've got to work hard. And so the paranoia and the panic I felt in my own head while I was still in the business completely left me when I had the ability to put in eight hours a day of studying and eight hours a day of listening to sports radio, like I found this passion mm -hmm. and I fell into this thing that was not about me. I was yeah. not thinking about everybody else. How is this guy's injury real? Is he going to be better <laughs> by Sunday? I'm worried about it. Is he tweeting anything? Mm -hmm. Like, what does he say on his Instagram? Like, he's questionable, but like, is it real? And then I go back, it's college history. Did he hurt that same ankle or is it a different ankle? Then I'd go to like doctor's website where they talk about sports wow. injuries. Wow. <laughs> okay, well that injury the second time is actually easier on the player to recover from. So like, I just fell in. No, that's good. Study I go, study it. go. Yeah. That's your, that was your mantra. Yeah. No, but that, that's the thing. If you're going to start something Something new you need to know from the ground up and for something that hasn't been around like boxing's been around for a million years sure. but for you it's just like 
you just said it, the fax machine was just barely invented. They had to mail stuff. So it was fairly, fairly new, but you still got in. You have to know, because if someone questions you like, well, who was the commissioner? Or what do you, what do you remember him from his college days? And those are very valid questions. Very valid questions. If you don't questions. know, then they'd be like, this bitch don't know nothing. All the way down to the coaches, the coordinators, where they were before, what tree they come from, where yeah. they have Belichick, you know, you know, like all of the layers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for, you know, think about this. For the first large majority of my life, my life revolved around thinking about me. What do I look like? What does my hair look like? How is my skin? All these things. And, and this obsession of, and then I make this, this jump in 2013. I realize, oh, guess what? I don't matter. Yeah. You know what matters? What's the weather going to be like in Cleveland? Okay. And is it going to affect that game? And do I want to bench my running back or do I want to keep him in? Is it going to be a run game? That's like sexy talk. Yeah. And so like it it, it finally became about something else and it was so healthy. And then also my whole life balanced back out. When you're not obsessing about your skin, you don't break out as much. When you're not worried about your weight, your weight stays the same. You know, all of the things that I spent years obsessing over no longer matter. Then they just neutralized. Yeah, well, those things that you you obsessed about were your money makers. Yes, it really was. I mean, yes. you've been in the you were in the industry for a little over twenty years, uh, about thirty years with wow. a couple breaks wow. because I started dancing yeah. at sixteen. So you consider that to be my first jump in, really. And then at eighteen, I went to my first nude club that had the porn stars and the and the magazine models coming in as features every week. So the, my exposure was really my entire young adult and adult life. Yeah. Um, but this has been, and then you know, getting in during a time where FanDuel and DraftKings in 2015 Mm -hmm. had to go to court to prove is fantasy sports gambling or is it a game of chance and like watching that thing unfold and then two years later state by state we're starting to legalize sports betting and now I'm learning the next layer oh well if you're good at fantasy and you're good at knowing what receiver or tight end you're going to play well then prop bets become really easy because you're like Travis Kelsey's definitely going to go for over 67 yards like you know you get into this like whole nother layer with betting so you had to also learn so not only fantasy sports is also betting yes okay so we you know jander and i have been trying to get someone in betting uh we were trying to get kelly in vegas you know kelly's amazing okay i i've been trying to get her my girlfriend sarah is really good friends with her when she was in her nightclub days like she worked in nightclub girl that's how she started and large we interviewed large large we got lisa ann your friend here oh my god Uh, i'm seeing i'm seeing annie large's wife on sunday Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah we, okay, it's like small world. It's a very small world. Yeah. And so we've been, I, I go, I need, we I need to understand betting. Like I understand, I just know that you, I know the minus is the favorite. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people that watch our show. It's dumb. It's like 98% males that watch our show. And some of them don't want to admit they don't know how to bet. So like, I don't understand how to bet. I just know if it's minus, minus 100, you bet 100 and then you make 100. Yeah, and you you don't want to do any sucker bets, but you know the, uh, did you watch bet? did you watch the documentary that Kelly was in on betting? No, you should watch that. What's I'll it find on? out what network okay. it's on. I'll let you know because it really gives a breakdown of the understanding of how to look at a bet if it's worth putting your money down. You know what what the edge is on that bet, how to hedge a bet. You know the timing of a bet. Like what's if you want to do what's a hedge bet? Kind of balance. 
balancing out a bet with something else, okay. right? So, like, if you want to do uh, props for next season in the NFL, and you can look at a bunch of quarterbacks, or you can put a sucker bet down where it's like a thousand to one odds that the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put a little bit of money down on those really early before the season starts, you have an edge, right? Because yeah. numbers, the lines are going to change as the games start to get played. Mm-hmm. Cleveland gets really good. You're not going to get that return. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's kind of like really fun to look at the timing of it too. Yeah. You know, like if you would have bet the MVP race in the and the NBA right now, a lot of people were like, it should be Joel Embiid's turn because, you know, he's always been the bridesmaid, never really the bride. But we know <laughs> Jokic keeps winning it, keeps winning it. But then you think games played. Then there's some injuries. Ja Morant was in the conversation. Now Ja Morant's not in the conversation. That bet on putting it down for when you're talking about Embiid was such a good bet looking back in retrospect, but everybody thought it would be Jokic, everybody thought it would be Morant. So it's about timing too. Yeah. So funny when you're listening, uh, when I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, I I, I recognize a lot of these names uh, when it's basketball or yeah. so. I, I know football. I'm not into, I'm not fully into basketball. And it's like when I talk to boxing about, to my girlfriends, like, huh? Huh. They like check. They have no idea what uh, I'm talking about. I would about. say that probably 95 percent of my girlfriends don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know. Like, I always say that. <laughs> you know, it's it's Sunday. They text me. They're like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "I'm working." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I'm watching games." <laughs> right? Like That's fucking work. It's work. And, and I'm like, "You just don't know what I do." Let's just, <laughs> you, let's just own up to that. If, if I'm not writing a book, if I'm not doing an appearance, if I'm not doing a speaking engagement, you do not know what I do. Anything in the sports world, you do not. But. Um, I'm I'm really bringing more women in the sports base. There's a lot of women in sports betting. More women coming into fantasy, and like when I see them on social media, I immediately reach out. I immediately ask if we can FaceTime. I immediately want to start to build a friendship mm-hmm. with them so that we can all kind of collab together. And I like to have more female voices on my show on Wednesday nights. So every time I can, you know, bring someone else in, I do. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, you, I've seen some of your shows. Uh, well, first, Lisa Ann Experience. And you podcast, actually even, yes. your, you even started on the Spice Network. Yes. Uh, but, it was more of a... An after hours type of so show. So I went from the Spice Network and then went to Playboy. That was on Sirius. So then when I went to the Fantasy Sports Network, they put me on the same time. Cause they're like, that's your time yeah. spot with Sirius XM. You've been with the company for three years. I stayed with Sirius XM for another seven years after wow. that. And I still visit the building. I still go in all the time. Um, but the boss that I had that gave me my first chance in 2013. Matt? He started Matt Deutsch. He started his own company. And now I get to work for him again. <gasps> At Better? Yep. Oh. Matt Deutsch. Better Sports Network. Shout out, Matty D. He's Yay. a great human. Um, he's a friend. He's like a dad to me. He's like a brother to me. And he just always wants me to be better. And because of him... Everyone at SiriusXM treated me so well. That's amazing. He's got that. He's got that, like, if he co-signs for you, then everybody's on board with you. And so I'm incredibly loyal to him. My show is every Wednesday night. We are now streaming on YouTube, Twitch, as well as the Better Sports Network app. Uh, It's my show. It's called Better Sports Live. My co-host, Rick Camlin, I've known each other for years, and I get to pull all my guests. So three-hour show, I usually bring two or three guests on. That's fun. I mean, booking guests is hard, as you know, but uh, when you get to book the people that you really want to talk to that bring uh, some value to your show. This is that's the best part. Instead of like some booker just be like, oh, I just found some random person to fill in time. And, I hate that. And the podcast is really so that everyone who doesn't love sports like I do can still stay connected with mm-hmm. me. The Lisa Ann experience is more authors, people that I find on social media. I, I do bring in some sports, bringing people. I bring in a lot of women and men from my previous life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a variety. But I knew I had to stay. Uh, 
focused on making sure those who don't play fantasy sports <laughs> or sports bet could still stay connected yeah. with me. You have to be diversifying yourself to keep that large audience. Yeah, because I mean, obviously they know, your fans know that you can't do what you've been, you've done for 30 years, for 60 years. Like they know that you have a brain. They know that you're going to turn in something. And they're also, they're very curious. Everyone in the industry, inside and outside the industry, are all curious of what is Lisa Ann going to do with her life of after. They're all curious. They're either haters or they're, they're, uh, they support, they're supporters. What was really cool was this year was my first time coming back to AVN in 10 years. <gasps> and oh, yeah. And I have to say, the people that showed up, first I could, I can't believe how many people I've remembered. So not going somewhere for 10 years, but doing it for 20 years. You know, you see a lot of people, especially if they live in Vegas, they come every year. And I was like, I can't remember your name, but I remember your Abby and I remember your name on Twitter. Um, and everyone either talked to me about my podcast, my book, my, my show on Better Sports Network. Like they brought it, like they brought it, they brought it's so exciting to see you doing new things. I follow this. And it really showed me the human side of everyone that though you're a fan, your main goal when you're a fan of someone is that they're happy. Yeah. And so seeing that, and when I'm on the doing events during football season, guys will come to trade shows and just give me their phone and be like, hey, can you help me on the waiver wire? Can you help me set my line up this week? And nothing makes me happier than, you know, then I'm like, okay, you're going to pick this guy up and then I'm going to tweet at you on Monday and see how he did. That's like, amazing. You know, it's incredibly <laughs> fun and they love it. So I was able to stay where I kept a lot of my demo, right? Male audience. And most of them played fantasy football but because we didn't talk about it before I started doing it. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And now the sports betting, but it's been a neat way to stay. And then bringing in a more female audience would come from my writing, from speaking engagements, from blogging, from social media things. You know, I, I really like to express myself on Instagram when it comes to things that I love, whether it's the city, whether it's travel excursions, whether it's cooking, that's where you really get to know me. And so I'm bringing in more women from different things that I'm doing on Insta. And that's a, one of the big reasons why, I mean, it just happened to be in the month of International Women's uh, Month, but or him, Women's History, but I, I believe that's every day. I don't believe it's just in March. I believe every day women should be celebrated for what they do. I mean, just even being a mother, just being a yes. woman. Because without you, without us, y'all can't be here, men. Sorry, you know, every I'm time saying. I'm behind on my laundry, yeah. I think to myself, how do moms do it? <sighs> how do you do it? You must be doing laundry every second you're inside your home. Because sometimes I'll let myself, mine go. And you know, when you live in New York, you have the option. Yeah. I, have a, I, I can, I can <laughs> drop, drop it off somewhere for super cheap, but I don't always love that because I'm, I'm kind of freaky. You don't want people touches touching my laundry. stuff, yeah. Or you could do it in your, inside your unit, but you have a stackable so it's small. And sometimes I'll just be like, you know what, let it go and go downstairs and use like five <laughs> massive washers at one time. And But then putting it away is a nightmare because it all is done at one time. But so I admire all you moms out there. I empathize with the laundry. It's hard. When you have your laundry, uh, I don't do my boyfriends, I do my sons, but it's just like, oh shit, he peed in it. I'm like, okay. But luckily it's like really small. Yes. But it's like all different but, but, laundry but detergents. Grows. Yeah. When oh yeah. It's gonna be even stinkier. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Yeah. I haven't gone to that that point. And if there's a if there's a lot of laundry, it's mainly like gym clothes. That's me. Every yeah. day you're already making one set of dirty yeah. clothes by 9 a.m. Yeah. I'm like, I already got dirty clothes. Okay, fuck. It's not every day. So gym clothes are easy because they dry fast. They dry fast, but it's like it piles up because if you're working so out fast. every day, I'm like, well, I have like 10 other pairs of pants. That's the problem. 
you'll let it go. <laughs> yeah, but then you'll run like out of your step. favorite tops. Right. It's always the top. Because if they're not comfortable, you don't yep. like working out. It's always the top where it's like, okay, I'm out of all my favorite tops. Yeah. So I, I got to do laundry now. Yeah. So that's why I know when people are going to ask, well, why is Lisa Ann on the show for uh, Best Women's Boxing Show, period, is because we celebrate women. We celebrate women in sports. Uh, and she's been able to to pivot her life into something, create her own life. I want to touch back when you talked to AVN. I remember when you invited me to AVN and you invited, I think it was the guy, we sat next to each other and some guy was holding a sign. I think that's who you invited. It was, oh, it was a it very- was, It was Matt McGann. Is it, you oh, hung out with him. Oh, college came day kid. Yeah. So, yes, yes. <laughs> and you know what? We're still friends. Oh, okay. And you know what's super sweet? He came into this city. So the great thing about living in New York is everybody visits once a year. Yep. And you get them for like four hours. I'll take you to lunch. We'll go walk in the park. We'll have a great time. He wanted me to meet his girlfriend who he's soon <gasps> going to propose to. Does she know that? She does not know okay, that. Okay, we so won't I say. Well, yeah, we won't, won't, I won't put a post out. <laughs> but he brought her to meet me and we had a lovely lunch. We went for a walk and it was around the holidays. So I took them to go see the tree and the light show at Saks and... The story with Matt McGann is, and I wrote about it in the book. Yeah, you did. I was in my tiny little studio apartment in, in New York City watching college game day, and I see this sign, and it says, Baylor's defense has more holes to fill than Lisa Ann. <laughs> yeah, I remember and that. And I see this sign, and I'm fucking dying. <laughs> because right away, I'm picturing, in my mind, this group of college kids who were giggling the whole time they were making the sign. They had to get it by the sign screener. You know, I never had the opportunity to go to college, and so I celebrate people who have the bonds that they make in college. You know, you meet people in college, they're friends forever, right? Yep. It's like being in the military your friends forever and so I went to Twitter I took a picture of my TV and I went to Twitter and I was like okay search and rescue we need to find this kid within four hours a girlfriend of mine from Australia was able to like go down the rabbit hole and find out where he went to school and a bunch of his friends taking behind the scene photos of them making this sign that folded up so when the screener was there it was this way and then as soon as the guy turned his back they opened it this way and so I reached out to Matt on Twitter immediately and uh -huh. he was like I can't believe you're not offended. I'm like, why would I be offended? I have a great sense of humor, but I just want to know how you did it. How'd you get it by? <laughs> how much laughter was involved in this? What made you come up with it? And so I reached out to TMZ and I said, TMZ, I want to invite Matt to go to the AVN with awards with me. And I want to ask him on TMZ. And they're like, okay, we'll make this happen. So I did it. We FaceTime. His parents were in the back room. His mom is a lovely human. His parents are great people. They've been incredibly kind to me. But we've stayed friends. So I took him two years in a row. And then the second year, he was going to school for sports marketing and sports broadcast. His school allowed me to come there for a week and sit in on his classes. Oh, that's amazing. So I went there, I stayed in a hotel right by his apartment and every day after class, we'd go back to the apartment, like eight of his friends would be there, we'd be watching games and, and I remember just saying to him, like, I'm gonna live the life that you guys live. So whatever you eat, I will eat, you know, just to, so we get home. What is he doing? He's putting like a whole tray of tater tots in the <laughs> oven. You know, like all like chicken, everything that chicken came nugget. out of a bag from the freezer to a, a, a tray with foil on it. All the things I would never do. And I was like, you know what? Mac and cheese from the box. I'm like, you know, I'm in it. And that bond we formed, and, you know, Matt was a part of my life when I was going through a very destructive time. And our friendship really was a light for me. Oh, that's nice. And I and he knows that. And so we've stayed so close. We talk regularly. He's killing it. He was coaching 
a college basketball team for three years, and now he's working for an agency, a, a sports marketing agency, oh, and he's awesome. just brilliant. And so, yeah, you did. You sat by me and Matt. I, so there is a story. <laughs> he was we were, only eighteen. I couldn't even take when, him in most of the places. When we were when when we were waiting for you for um, the tickets, we're like, "Where's Lisa Ann?" And you're like, "You had to, we we're waiting for you on the red carpet," and they're like, "Just walk the carpet." I'm like, "I'm not gonna walk the carpet." So I walk the carpet. Why not? You're there. And then they're like, "What's your name?" We've seen all your movies, and I'm like, "Oh." Okay, like I don't know what you're talking about, and they're like, "What's your name?" And I just pulled it out of my ass, Alana Star. Oh, you made up a porno name. Okay, girl. Oh my god, oh. that's so amazing. Oh no 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 no, this is so bad. We all pulled up, like you know, after a night of partying and having fun after the AVNs, we pull it up. We're watching the Patriots game and all this. Alana Star is a, like a transsexual porn star. <laughs> Like, no, I'm not. That's not me. <laughs> Do you know where you failed? It's really supposed to be. I didn't know. I just, I just made Alana up the name. Star. I, mean, I know. It's supposed to be your your first pet in the street you grew up on. Ketchup, ketchup. But I don't even remember. Parent, no, ketchup. Downy. That would be my name. Okay, it's not bad. I mean, <laughs> no, it's bad. Alana Star sounds better, but transsexual porn star. Yeah, you really, you, but you know, that was like, that's not me. But you, you really reached deep. That's an actual porno name. Like, you could have been like, I'm Kim Smith. You know what right? I mean? You went all in, and look what happened. It flew right back at you like a boomerang. But it did feel good to walk down that red carpet, and I was like, I've seen your star. I've seen your. I'm totally like, I bet forgot. you have. Oh. oh my god! I remember Matt and I were making a bet in the limo, showing up because that was when it was still at the Hard Rock, I think. Yes, right? yes. And we had bet on the Super Bowl, and I had won, and so I was like, you know what? In my next book, like I have to write. Then you lost the bet. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, those Great are good kid. times. Such good, good times. times. So now we're going to pivot into a sport that you, I asked you earlier, boxing. I know that you're from Easton, Pennsylvania, Larry Holmes, but do you follow boxing? Do you bet on boxing? I don't bet on boxing or follow as much as I should at this current time. I will say Dana White sucked me into UFC during the pandemic, and I watched it for three reasons. One, it was available every fucking Saturday. Two, yeah. we weren't spending money on anything, so I did not mind giving ESPN <laughs> that much money every week. And three, I watched them thinking if they're fighting and slobbering and bleeding and sweating on each other and they're all alive, that we're going to make it through COVID. Yeah. So, like, that was really the three-peat for me of, like, why I watched. But growing up in Easton, Larry Holmes was so celebrated. When he would come home from an event, we had a main street with a circle, and that's where we'd, like, cruise the strip. Mm -hmm. Everyone would line the streets when he came home from the airport just to wave to his limo. And it was like a respect thing. The whole city would stop what they were doing and go out. He was so well-loved and so respected. And yeah. it was just a big deal to be from a small town. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and He's your hometown celebrity. He was our hometown celebrity. So... Uh, I followed a lot then. My dad was a wrestling coach and worked with Larry when he first started boxing because wrestling was a big part of something to learn a skill set to, you know, not get on the mat. Okay. Uh, and funny because then later on starting UFC, I went down the fantasy rabbit hole where I'm like, I need to know where he coached, what he does and doesn't want to do. You know, is he good on the mat, not on the mat? Does he need to stay upright? Like I got like, of course, had to dissect it a thousand different ways. Um, but... You know, I went to a Jake Paul event uh, December two two Decembers ago in Tampa. Mm -hmm. I walked out Frank Gore. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He bring in all these athletes, and what I loved was learning from the female fighters that Jake Paul was paying the male and female yeah. fighters equal. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, whoa, you know, stop the train. Let me like learn more. And I learned a lot about what he's brought with the money that he made through YouTube and social media to for this equality in the space. And so they really enjoyed working with him. They would come to events even if they weren't fighting that night. Like it just brought like this really nice unity together. So that was a really cool event. I love his big machine. Mm -hmm. You know, that big uh, monster Yeah, yeah, the monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was, I was like, wow, how much does that cost? <laughs> Right. I'm going into business right away. Like, how much does it cost to transport that thing? <laughs> uh, but I think he's given something totally different. It was surprising to see him lose his first fight. Mm -hmm. But I loved his presser afterwards because he was, you know, he wasn't really banged up. You know, it's it's very impressive to me how in boxing and UFC, you're getting the shit beat out of you. You get five minutes cooling off and you're doing an interview and you're like swelling up in front of the camera and they're, they're just so good with their interviews. They're so well-spoken. They remember to thank everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was great because that's fighting. Yeah. You know, it's a, you can have one off day and that's the day you're fighting. That is today. And it's funny because uh, we've talked about Jake Paul many times on the show of, uh, you know, him becoming a, a YouTuber, becoming a professional boxer and a, and a promoter who gave Amanda Serrano, who his first fighter, yep. a million dollar payday. And plus, yep. uh, he has Shadeja Green. She's a female that she's now world champion. Um, this other kid, I can't remember his name from Long Beach. So he's like a full fledged promoter. And we and. We gave him his shit, but now Jander and I, we fully respect what he's doing because he's doing a lot of things not a lot of promoters are doing. Promoters, I know you guys don't like it when I, when we all call you out, but you got to do some stuff. People like some million-dollar paydays. Uh, but are there any fighters right now you currently like? I, I've met Amanda and got to spend time talking She's with her. Amazing. So I'm going to say Amanda would be the one. Okay. Any male fighters? Not right now. Uh, I mean, I've just been really now, now that Jake's fighting other fighters as opposed to just other people, I'm going to start studying again. Okay. I think there's some, uh, there's a fight that I would love for you to like really look on because it's gone. It's so mainstream. Uh, Jermonta Davis. He's that guy, Tink Davis and Ryan yep. Garcia. Yep. That, that's, that is a fight. Tickets are going for $59,000. That fight is coming up. <clears throat> In April. And April it's here. Here. Because uh, MSG is a big spot for fights as well. It's at T-Mobile. But it's here in Vegas. Because yeah. I just feel like this is... This is the spot. It's a mecca. Yeah, it's a mecca of fighting. I'll, I'll do my work on that one. I see a lot more coming through MSG as well. Amanda just fought there not too long ago. Um, but yeah, I got I got to get back in your world. Actually, I better not say boxing. Uh, Vegas is the mecca because that's New York. Uh, Vegas is totally different. I forgot the name, the ca the capital of boxing. I forgot what the fuck they call it, but it's not the mecca because okay, people will get mad. Madison Square Garden is the mecca of boxing, but no, all of them are coming here. But you know the new place that's going to be boxing, Saudi. Oh yeah, everything's Saudi. We got Live Golf. We got the, the, the Saudi money. Like, I always say this Saudi money shit, like the Kardashians are like <laughs> scraping. They're broke. Okay, like that money versus Kardashian money. And I remember the very first Kentucky Derby I went to, I realized like, okay, this is money. This is oil money, land money, bourbon money. This is generational money that cannot be wasted and or yeah. lost. Do you understand horse race? I do. You need to teach me. Oh. OMG. Oh, oh, oh. I have been, yeah. Have you gone to the Derby yet? No, no, I can't. I've been pregnant and, and it's a and bucket COVID. I will say this though. It's the, always the first weekend in May and it seems like there's always a big boxing event the first weekend in May as well. Yeah, May 5th. And so that's, oh, that's when the Derby, oh, yes. Yeah, so oh. those things collide for you. 
Oh, well, I won't be in uh, this year. I will not be here for Canelo uh, versus Ryder because that's in Guadalajara. I will be working. Um, I'm doing this new boxing league. I'm doing color commentary for it. <gasps> Amaze. Yeah. So I that's love. something that's like uh, that's I've, that's eventually what I want to do besides host and interview sure. is uh, to call fights. Just to give the background of a fighter, because that's what I essentially do it anyways, or anyway. Uh, in boxing, I want to ask, since we talked about a little bit of betting, I want to understand. So I don't know if you're familiar with this. So the prop bets. Yes. So what, do you understand, let's, let's just say Benavidez versus Plant. In the seventh round, it's going to be a knockout. The eighth round, it's something else and then something else. Like, What are those kind of bets called? So those are going to be, I guess, in boxing, since I don't really bet boxing, those would be considered your prop bets, right? Those would be your chance bets. So if you wanna if you wanna hedge one of those, you could then hedge it with who you think is going to win the fight. So you would have a little bit of a balance. So if you don't hit on the first one, if it doesn't go the seven or eight rounds, but you still pick the winner, you're still winning something. So if I bet, say, a hundred dollars. And then I don't win on that, and I hedge. And you bet $100 on something else in this Oh, another fight. 100 Yeah. Okay. Damn. Okay. You got to keep throwing down the money. I, you know, sometimes I feel like you just bet the underdog because they pays out way better. Yeah, but that's not always the best formula. Each bet has to be incredibly specific on the history of the fighter, um, the history of the money that's gone out in the past. You know, there's some smart bettors that you can follow on social media and look at the history of what they've bet. And it's, it's like the underdog is the common bet. It's kind of like in football. Everyone wants to bite, but fight, uh, bet the over yeah. because people like scoring. Of course. Okay, but you can't bet the over if the weather's going to be bad. You can't bet the over if the lead, the star number one quarterback is out. You can't bet the over if there's a lot of injuries because you're going to have less points. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about all of the variables. Like I'm like, is it a dome game? Is it an outdoor game? I'm studying weather. For the Sunday games, I start watching the five day on Thursday in every single outdoor, you know, stadium. Yeah. Every single stadium. Because I'm like, I'll just stay away from some games if the weather's going to be too weird. Because to me, Mother Nature becomes the third the team third, on the field. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It can it can ruin everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it many times where you see blizzards or you see... Uh, rain. Yeah, rain. Or wind. Mm -hmm. You know, Because that affects things. the wind, affects yep. the ball to go somewhere else. Yep. Uh, you see that Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, now Raiders. How do you feel about it? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a big Raiders fan. I'm a Pats fan. But, That's you know, right. he's, he's here. They said all the Summerlin housewives have something to look at. <laughs> look, he's a great quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he hasn't been in the greatest situations to protect yes. him. Yes. Meaning that he gets hit, meaning that he takes injuries. It's a bummer to watch any player go season after season and battle injury. That's just sad because, you know, that's their whole life. Mm -hmm. And then they get labeled as, oh, he's injury prone. No one player is more injury prone than any other player. That is not a fact. It's yeah. not true. It's not real. It's a matter of circumstance. Saquon Barkley a couple of years ago came back from a big injury and then had the weirdest thing happen. Now somebody landed on his leg the wrong way, created another major injury. Yeah. But Jimmy G did take his team to the Super Bowl. Yep. Remember in 2020, though he did overthrow Emmanuel Sanders in that game and they potentially could have won. I was at that Super Bowl. Like, first thing I said to everybody there was, by the way, this is going to be the last game that Emmanuel Sanders ever plays with Jimmy G. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to leave that team immediately. He didn't stay. But Jimmy G is a serviceable quarterback. He's going to be playing his home games in good weather in a great new stadium that has a dome option. 
All of those things are going to work for his longevity. He has Devante. Yeah. There's going to be great things. And I think, I think he was the move. Moving on from Derek Carr, it was time. I don't love how the Raiders did it, but I thought it was good. Look, Derek Carr had to deal with so much turnover with the Raiders from coaching situations to negative news coming out. You know, a lot of, of weirdness. Course. All of the Henry Ruggs situation was hard on all of oh, the players. Yes. You have to think about how that affects every player on a team, every person within the organization. It's sad, and that's doom and gloom. Jimmy G is going to bring in a fresh start. He's a ton of fun. Uh, he's a great quarterback, and I think he's going to be really good for fans here because you have great fans. When it comes to hockey, NFL, and now the conversation of you guys potentially getting MLB and NBA, I get it because your games sell out. Your, your Golden Knights are loved. Oh, yes, they it's are. It's hard to get tickets. They're amazing, <laughs> right? So this has now become a sports mecca. Vegas in the past 10 to 15 years has transitioned from being a place where people went to gamble and see shows to now being you come here to fine dine and see sports. Yeah, it's it's become the sports capital of the world. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, we're trying to, or I think Atlanta or some, I think the A's, I can't remember which baseball team's trying to come in. Oakland A's. Oakland A's, there you go. Uh, it would make sense if a, it was Atlanta because the A in their logo. So that's why you said it. I just want to clarify oh, that thank for you. our listeners. Thank you very much. She had that. the right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I, I had. I, I was almost there. Uh, and then they also have this one. Um, the net. It's like a basketball type of theme. Did you hear about that hotel being built? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I thought of you. I'm like, oh. You're definitely going to get an NBA team. Mm. There's no doubt about it. And there's it's teams only time. that could use to move, especially teams that share arenas. You know, the Clippers would be a great move out here. You could also look up at Sacramento, where it's not a really desirable place to go. Places where they're not selling out because maybe their stadiums or their arenas are not in good locations. Going to Staples Center is kind of a shit show. No, Clippers is now getting their own arena. It's yeah, really that's right. pretty. They are down, down in Torrance by, you're right, SoFi. But yeah, but yeah I mean, I think it's going to be a great season for the Raiders. Uh, your fans travel from California. They do. You, have, you know, you have a ton of fans here. You have a beautiful, beautiful stadium. And you have people that absolutely love sports. They really do. It's 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 really a fun town. I mean, I'm grateful that we moved here and just I I need to get out more to more of the sports, uh, the games. It's just my son is was just a little too young, but now yeah. we're gonna start. You have uh, your rest of your him. life, for yeah. That. And you have the rest of his life for that too. There's no sense rushing it. I was like, okay, you're gonna play football. I don't know about boxing, even though I want him to box, but. I kind of know what happens, you know, in the head. Uh, ice hockey. There's just a lot of things. Okay, now let me ask Mac Jones. Oh, Tom Brady. I really wish Tom Brady would actually just sign his final, final, like, okay, I'm going to really retire in, in New England and then call it a day. I don't really think he needs to go through that hoopla. He's got a great contract waiting for him where he gets to be in the broadcast booth for a yes. stupid amount of money. Yeah, he, it's almost the same amount as, as he's done throughout his career. Whole career. Um, and I also think that there may be some pettiness there. Um, if you noticed when Brady did move to Tampa to play for the Buccaneers, he really started to come out as a personality on his own social mm -hmm. media, uh, which is very exciting because, you know, you're a Patriots fan. You just got Juju. And mm -hmm. Juju is one of the greatest football TikTok stars out there. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how Bill Belichick is going to handle Juju and the TikTok. So <laughs> I'm. this is an experiment that we all just cannot wait to see how it unfolds. Because I feel that maybe... Maybe Brady felt a little held back by by showing his personality. I know there's also rifts with his trainer. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think Brady has to do it. 
Maybe he would have done it if he stuck with his retirement the first time. But I think getting back in that conversation and then people misleading the news because we know now news, you know, people just take a story and they run with it. It would go from him going back for one day to get his retirement, his jersey retired, all of that, to him going back to playing. And I just think he wants to stay out of the fray right now. Mm, that's true. You know, he's got other things. He has two cats to take care of. His two kittens. Oh, my gosh. Did he put that tweet out the other day? He's like, obviously, you've never adopted a kitten for a your child it's so cute that's what i love about he really came into his own his personality i'm like oh he really is funny he really is he funny. really is funny he's and look he's ageless he takes great care of himself he's a reminder that you can have a long career if you eat right mm -hmm. and live right you think he's gonna still eat avocado ice cream i do i think i don't i've never had it so i, I mean not. i eat 95 percent plant-based so when i'm at home oh you do. i only eat plant-based the only time i eat other foods Here. is when i go out okay so if i go out to dinner with friends i don't go out to eat if it's just necessity eating i don't do that i don't order takeout like i did the whole pandemic without ordering takeout once uh what no takeout oh i, I don't like you. people at my door knowing where i live so it's yeah, a paranoid thing and also, I don't like not know. I, I need to have a visual with who's touching my food. Yeah. Weird like that. And also, I just cooked. We had so much time. Why be lazy and have someone else make your food? You have all day. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> this is the time where I can make a soup with like 200 ingredients if I want to. <laughs> so I could be cutting up vegetables for four hours. <laughs> I'm not missing anything. That's true. So I, you know what I mean? So I cook and I, so I eat really clean at home. And then when I go out, I let myself have whatever I want. Mm, okay. And then lastly, before we wrap up, Aaron Rodgers, he's a, it's, I guess, is he really going to the Jets? So right now the holdup is between Green Bay and the Jets. More on the Green Bay side than on the Jets side. The Jets are clear. I watch Aaron Rodgers Tuesday every Tuesday on Pat McAfee. I was flying here on Wednesday of last week, and I was so thankful. My flight landed a half an hour early, which meant I could listen to the entire conversation live instead of having to go back. I'm obsessed with the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee is kind of flipping sports media on their back. He got his first firsthand scoop this week with Adam Thielen's uh, due deal, and he put it out there first. This morning I was watching him, and he had Ian Rappaport on. He's like, so, Ian, you know, my, t my tweet went out eight minutes before yours, my sources were Adam Thielen. You know, like he reached out to me. Do you want a scoop? <laughs> um, he's just made sports light and fun and positive and doesn't really bang on anything negative that players do or doesn't yeah. really bang on negative things going on in the world. So I am a huge Aaron Rodgers fan you and supporter. Are. I am. Okay. I love that this man, he's wealthy, he's successful, he's good at everything he does, but yet. He still wants to learn more about himself. Yeah, he really wants to find the inner, like with all the things, that, the ayahuasca, the mushrooms, He's fine-tuning himself yeah. every year to be a better version of himself. And I hear a lot of naysayers like, oh, he's just weird. And I'm like, well, let me ask you something. You're not trying to improve <laughs> yourself at all. Right. Because you're still... You're, you're still using your own opinion as authority to what people think of someone. And here's this person that reads a book a week, mm -hmm. does crosswords every day to keep his brain strong so he doesn't have CT. Like the things that he does to constantly improve. And then he goes out and plays in a pro-am and wins the whole thing and playing golf. Like <laughs> he's just good at what he does. And I think it, it's very threatening to people. I think it's threatening that somebody that's that successful when it comes to the monetary side of success, mm -hmm. the accolades, being the you know league MVP two seasons in a row, all the things that he's done, and yet he still wants 
to be personally satisfied as a human being, treat people right, be mindful, be kind. Like that's just next level shit that most people are eating on because they don't understand it because they're not tapping in on that themselves. I think it's, you know, when you think of uh, CEOs of high level powered corporations, they, a lot of them do this. They get up early in the morning, 5 a.m. They meditate for I do. A, an hour. Like I take the first three hours of every day to myself. Yeah. Wow. From, three hours? From waking up to uh, doing some reading to my workout, to sitting in the sauna, to my shower, to making my smoothie. I get, I interact with no one from six to nine every morning. Every, every day. Wow. Even here when you're here? Here's a little bit different. I got up and read for about an hour this morning because I didn't go down and go to the gym. I did a little yoga in my room. Um, but no matter what, I don't look at my phone first thing. I have two phones so I can look at news, uh, a book and music on one phone with no messages because like I look at it like nobody knows I'm up yet. That's true. Okay? I don't, I don't That's true. You're not posting. You're not doing anything. And I don't want to respond to an email when I'm not fully engaged with how I feel about my day, how I feel about myself until I have my shit together. And then I can be very thoughtful when I respond. Mm, you know what? I, I don't know about three hours. I, cause my son naturally child. just wakes me I up. I have two I'm plants. Like... That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> two plants. You can always you can always take care of Brooklyn until Auntie Lisa can come over anytime. <laughs> it's different when you're a parent. Yeah. But for me, uh, that's what I made work for me. And I instilled this in my life years ago. When when we all started getting to the point where the first thing we did was looked at Twitter, mm -hmm. I remember thinking, like, this is really toxic. And then I read a series of books on the effects of the internet on a brain and the effects of the internet and your thoughts in the morning. And I was like, okay, yeah. consciously I need to be aware and not fall into that rabbit hole. That's true. Well, God, there's so much. You know, there is one thing I did write. I have to say it. This is I love this quote in your book. Looking back at this time, I realized I was out outgrowing my environment that I was once comfortable in. You were getting a better sense of yourself and a better sense of the world when you when you left your your uh porn days and everything behind and you're stepping into the world that you are currently making a life and a name in yourself. I mean, I'm so proud of you, Lisa. I, I remember sitting with you at lunch or no dinner. And when you started telling me about your transition and I was like, I could totally see it. Like, I, I remember saying, I'm really proud of you, Lisa. Like, I can't wait to see your journey. And years later, seven, year, eight years later, we're sitting here talking about it. And 10 years later, we've like, yeah, 2013. Yeah. And but just, let me say a little something about that quote. When I started in the in this strip club world, there were so many rules. No one was allowed to touch you. Uh, the, there were no dances when I first started. And then when there were dances, the what guys were... they just... What did you do? Just... So you danced around. You did a show on stage. You danced for like 15, 20 minutes. We were getting paid hourly then, $25 an hour. Yeah, I read that. And you walked around the stage and it was a go-go bar. You took dollars in your boobs, right? So they'd reach over and put this dollar in your boob. They still weren't allowed to touch you. Or they would just leave the money and you'd pick it up as you walked by and thank everybody. And then dances started and they were very strict and then it kind of loosened up. And just the other night I was at Sapphire because I did an event there. I do a lot of events there. I love that club. I still love being in strip clubs because I still love the environment. Do they all come up to you? Do the women be like, oh, I know you? Yes. And the guys are like, oh my God. But I was sitting with my friends and we were watching a bunch of girls giving dances. And I said, you know, this is when I outgrew things because I can remember being the only girl as a feature giving dances and telling the guys to sit on their hands. <laughs> And so I would just be like, you know, this is this is not a petting zoo. This is not a contact sport. Like, 
I am not making that much money where I feel like it should be worth to me someone that touches me. Yeah. It should be a choice. It shouldn't be 20 people a night at a club. It shouldn't be. But that's just me. doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong. But I was raised in this world one way. So it was really hard for me to adapt. <laughs> and instead of adapting and changing my values, I just did not want random people to touch me. Um, I realized you're just outgrowing this. Yeah. And that's when it hit me where it was like, no one's wrong here, but if you're going to have to step over your line of comfort to continue to make money, it's going to eventually eat away at your soul and your spirit. Now's the time to go. And that's when I started telling the clubs, like, I'll come back, but I just want to host. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, pay me a hosting gig, I'll take free photos with everybody that wants a photo in the club. I'll advertise it. I'll be super social. I'll get on the mic. I'll do all this stuff. But I just don't want to have to explain to people why I don't want them touching me for a amount of money and they and they understood it and now i still get to be in strip clubs and hang out and enjoy it and make sure i i lecture as many young women as i can about <laughs> saving their money and uh i want to be present so if somebody does want to ask me how do i build my financial wellness what should i be doing now what are the pitfalls i should look for i want to be present for that Mm -hmm. But I looked around every girl, every guy was touching every girl's butt. And I'm like, there's just not enough money in it for me to allow all these strangers to touch my butt all night. <laughs> no, it's, it's now the culture of uh, when you were doing porn in the, in the 80s and 90s. Like you said, it was glamorous back yes. then. It was so beautiful. And now what we see, I, and you said it best, it's uh, they're just bodies. Everyone is replaceable and doesn't matter if you're a really pretty face. They just right. want a body yep. for the shot. Yep. And now we have OnlyFans, which has been misconstrued because it really, I always thought OnlyFans was literally porn, but now I see it was, it was about, you have fans if, if you're a chef or you wanted sure, a hobby. You could, you could be giving out sports betting advice on a yeah. sports betting page on OnlyFans. You can yeah. be, there's chefs on there. There's personal trainers that are absolutely fantastic yeah. on there uh, that do lives. So you can be in a group class. Like there's so many other features, but of course the media brings out yeah. the adult side of it the most. And the adult side is probably the most profitable as well. It really is from what I've heard. I wouldn't know. I've heard. <laughs> Lisa, oh my God, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I... You, you you have no idea. I've been just, I, I have been poaching you. I've told you this. I I, I text you. I You're DM'd you. You're the first you. person I texted when I, I got this trip back. Because so this excited. is my third time to Vegas this year. The the first was ABN. The second yeah. was the Fantasy Sports and Trade Gambling Association Trade Show, our winter conference. And I thought I could pull away during that event. But yet... I had a bunch of new people that I had met online but not met in person. I realized I shouldn't pull away from these moments because no. everyone lives in a different state. And we're going to go back to only talking on social media. So I really stayed present with that. But here I was coming out again. I'm like, okay, I got to reach out to her right away. I got to <laughs> give her first dibs. What date you want? Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I know. I got it in the gym. I was like... I need to stop training. Let me book this now. But no, I appreciate your time. And I know that you're here. It's a busy, you're here for March Madness. Like I said, Which this was is so fun. <laughs> I went to Circus Swim for my first time and I was like, oh, it's so cool. By the way, I would love to watch movies there at night. Right? Like, you know, like old movies like Grease or something, like an old drive-in. Oh like, my God, that so would be fun. fun. I want movies there. But the games there, it's sick. They could divide the screen into a hundred small screens or like three big ones. I was like, oh, this a Super Bowl. Like I could watch games you're outside it's even so if it's cool. not even if it's chilly i just put on sweats and relax it's a circa is a really cool place for to watch sports yeah. I, I i can't wait i appreciate you you know catch her better sports network 7 to 10 every wednesday 
Eastern or Eastern time time. Uh, she gives out some really good advice. She knows her sports. As you can see, I talked a lot more sports than I normally do. I, I don't know just I don't only know boxing. I do know some football. I really don't know basketball. And that's why I have her. I She taught me a little bit of betting. Jay, we got to get her back in to like fully teach us. Uh, can you put in a good word for us for Kelly? Large and you know one of our my really good friends, Arash Markazi. Oh, I love Arash. I, Arash is amazing. Amazing Just spirit. An amazing human being. Great energy. So excited that he got engaged. I know. To like his best all friend. Shout out. And they and I met her. Uh, I got to I got to spend some time with them together last year when I was out here in May. And they told me their story about uh -huh. how long they've known each other. And he's just an awesome person with a great sports voice. And there's so many out there in our world. He is great. He was my very, very, very first interview for my uh, podcast, The Real Fight with Cynthia Conte. He told me about his uh, weight loss journey. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I need to have you on my show. And then he fought Bob Arum followed up. And I talked to it was just like one of those things. He's like, how can Bob Arum? be your second guest i just i just lost a lot of weight like i'm like it doesn't matter but he's a good uh he's such a good spirit he also has a sporting tribune right now yep. but uh, make sure you guys tune in to lisa ann uh, last question i know it's the last you ever think you're gonna bring out nail and palin if sarah if sarah comes back out and run well this already reason. happened in past i'm very glad it did uh so <laughs> she was in the mix she was in the mix i did buy a couple of t-shirts on amazon one was Palin 2024, and then the second one was Palin 2024 Trump. So Trump would be her VP. Yep. Again, I bought them as a spoof. I put one on Twitter, oh no, on Instagram, and I wrote trigger warning. <laughs> because I know how serious people are with politics. And then as she was in the running, and you know, the, her, her, the woman that she ran against, who's now the governor of Alaska, which was the last state for me to visit in the United States, mm -hmm. Is, her name is Lisa Murkowski. So as soon as I started learning about Lisa Murkowski, I was like, I want to know what Lisa's middle name is. Lisa Ann Murkowski. No! I can't write this shit up. So then Sarah's in the mix again. <laughs> and then I start I start getting calls from companies in the business like, would you do Palin again? Would you do Palin again? I'm like, it wouldn't be fun at this time. I want to stay away from all politics. I will bring her out for Halloween once in a while, um, just for fun. And But it was such a good run. I feel like we go back to something that was awesome. With the expectations, it's going to be as awesome, and it never is. Yeah, that's so true. So I just want to have the happiness that I already got from it. Yeah, you brought out that whole MILF revolution. It came, I mean, it was it was one of those things. When you heard MILF, I always think Lisa Ann. Yep. Like at that, and really, you were the one that created. It was a gentleman, one of the guys that you're ta the, the that you were when you were a talent manager, and you're like, "What's well, a milf?" Yep. And it really boomed from that, and you got people, ladies from the industry back then, booking jobs, and you really changed. You really changed the sex world, honey. <laughs> You really have. You you are beautiful. You're smart. You're empowering, and you're a survivor. That's all. That's all it is. And just to be sitting here on the round table talk, minus Giandra, I wish you were here to be able to tell us about your life and to something that you really truly found the love that you really talk oh, about. It's like it, it oozes out everything and I, and, and out of you. As much as I change the sex world, the, the most important change I can create now is twofold. It's the example I'm setting for society out there to not have this negative attitude towards sex workers and people in the industry, whether they're in now, whether they're out, whether they're coming in. I am hoping 
to be a pace car to give you a different perception, you know, a different perception. Yeah. And then as for my my peers and, and my colleagues and everyone in the industry, I am hoping to show them that we are limitless. Just because we were in the industry doesn't mean we have limits on us when we decide to do something new. Mm-hmm. So that's really, the, that's the, the, the initiative I have right now is opening the eyes of the world as well as opening the eyes of the performers today. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Lisa Ann, you traded in your fantasy life for fantasy sports, and now you've created the life that you've always wanted. And I can't wait. I want. I, I can't wait to read your second book. So um, you can send it on over. <laughs> I would love for you to autograph this book for me. But you guys, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the best women's boxing show. Period. I knew. I know. I brought you something very, very different. But it always, it always ties in to what Giandra and I bring out. We bring the women in sports. We bring in their stories, the love that they have for the sports. Doesn't matter where they come from, what they do, but what where they are going. That's all that matters. So Giandra, we miss you. Lisa Ann, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. You guys, make sure you tune in, like, share, subscribe, go to her content. Doesn't matter where you follow her on her on her Instagram, TikTok. Do you have a TikTok? I do. Everything's the same at the oh. real Lisa Ann. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I got it all. Maybe you should come out as like a Rosie Colucci. Yeah, that would really throw the curveball. <laughs> They'd be like, who the fuck's Rosie Colucci? <laughs> For those of you who don't have the time to sit down with a book, uh, oh, the, audio. the audio. Life is available on audio. I recorded it in my bedroom closet during the pandemic, built a studio in my bedroom closet in my little apartment. And I just finished recording the audio for the Life Back, and that will be released this spring. So you'll be able to find all the information of those things on my social media at The Real Lisa Ann. And if you'd like to purchase an autographed copy, you can go to shoplisaann.com. There you go. Make sure you guys get her book. It's a real, it's actually a page turner. I, li- I read it in less than three days. Uh, but uh, audiobook, if you guys don't like to read exactly what she just said, support, support Lisa Ann, support everyone in the industry. And women, we would love to hear more of your stories. If you, if when you see Lisa Ann, don't be afraid. Reach out to her. And, you know, she always has some answers. She's very bold. She, she will answer all of your questions. All right. This is a, another edition in the can for Best Women's Boxing Show, period. I am Cynthia Conte. See you guys at the fights. Bye, guys.